Speaking of which, let me read the first verse here tonight, then I'll pray. We're in Isaiah 61, and wonderful study. These, we're going to try to cover two chapters today, or tonight. We were able to this afternoon. They're short chapters, and so that's why I'm tackling two of them. And once I read verse number one, you're going to say, well, I've heard that before. And we're just going to chew on it a little bit tonight and let it sink in. Isaiah 61, 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. If you're taking notes, Roman number one is future blessings for Israel. Future blessings for Israel. Now I'll give you letter A as well. Letter A is the Messiah declared his ministry. And let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your love and thank you for this wonderful study. Thank you for these moments we've spent just, just reveling in your goodness. Lord, thank you for your word. And I'm grateful, Lord, that you've made it so accessible to us tonight. As we look into chapter 61 and 62 of Isaiah, Lord, we're, we're going to be spinning our wheels and finding a great deal of confusion apart from your intervention. So would you lead us tonight and give to us what we need tonight? Uh, encourage us, challenge us where we're needed to be challenged. And we'll give you the thanks for it, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure, I'm sure that you heard the verse before. The uh, Chapter 61 continues this look to the millennium. And uh, we are one day closer. We finished the class up today, and one person said, you know, I've never really been that excited about the millennium. You know, I'm excited about the Lord's return, the rapture. That's so exciting, but I've never been excited about the millennium. But the more I study, the more we study Isaiah, and the more we learn about what it's going to be like, the more exciting it becomes for us. You see, we believers, the bride of Christ that's going to be raptured, are going to be ruling and reigning with Christ during the millennium. And I can't tell you exactly what we're going to be doing. I don't know what we're going to be doing, but it's going to be glorious because we will be serving the Lord Jesus. We will see him face to face. We will carry out his will, his orders, and it will be phenomenal. His ministry was blessed with the filling of the Spirit of God upon him from the beginning. The Messiah, Jesus, preached a message of love by heralding people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he preached. He went around healing the broken physically and comforting the broken emotionally. To those bound in sin, he proclaimed liberty or freedom from sin's power through the power of God. The salvation that he offered opened the prison doors of hell. His message would become applicable following the tribulation as he would seek to establish his new kingdom. And when you put this prophecy in its proper place, and you see, well, let, me, let me read it for you. It's the, the, the Old Testament setting is Isaiah 61. Let's jump into the New Testament in Luke chapter 4, verse 14 and following. It says, And Jesus returned to the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And, as his custom was, 
he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Where do you suppose he opened the book of Isaiah? Let me read for you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and pre to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Jesus proclaimed. Me, I am the Messiah, he was, he was proclaiming. Letter B, God gave these prophecies as a source of comfort to his people. In verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. And I hope by now in our study, you're starting to pick at some of these little phrases or words that give us a little bit of an indication of where we are in the timeline. Now notice verse 62, the day of vengeance of our God. The day of vengeance should clue your mind to a particular time frame. And then comforting all that mourn. Another time frame. This phrase, the acceptable year of the Lord, seems to refer to the year of Jubilee. A celebration that occurred for the Jews once every how many years? How many? Fifty years, that's right. It was a time of setting those who were in bondage free. Jesus came to provide freedom from the bondage of sin and its consequences. His ministry and offering to the lost were both acceptable to his Father. The day of vengeance of our God seems to point to the tribulation, or Daniel's 70th week. During that dreadful time, the wrath of the Lamb will be unleashed on this planet and its inhabitants. With these words, God provides the peace to recognize that he is sovereignly in control of future events. They are a comfort to all that mourn. Likely, these words were also directed to those about to experience great trials, as Assyria and then Babylon were about to invade Judah. Though the coming events would be fearsome, they could find comfort even as they mourned. Leviticus 25.10 says, And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you. And ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. And Jesus, in his ministry, was a fulfillment of this year of jubilee, setting those who were bound in sin free. Verse 3 to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Better see. The Lord will replace their brokenness 
with beauty. As the millennium begins, so Jesus has come back at the end of the tribulation and has won this, this horrible battle of Armageddon and steps into the millennium, setting himself up as king. The survivors from the seven-year-long devastation of tribulation will be devastated and depleted of any and all strength. The ministry of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will include comforting those who are downcast. In place of the ashes from the ruins of the tribulation, the Lord will give beauty. For their mourning, he will supply oil. And he will cover them in a garment of praise to their Lord. They will be called <laughs> trees of righteousness. Why? Because trees symbolize strength and stability, as well as integrity and righteousness. Israel in that day will be transformed into a strong world-dominating nation, giving glory to the Lord. Trees can be very stubborn things. We had a big bush back in Illinois that I wanted out. It was an old bush, and, and it was, had, had served its purpose. And so I had this harebrained idea. I would take this long chain, and I put the chain around the base of that big old bush. I attached the other end to the rear axle in my car. I said, my car. And then I, I gave it some gas there on the grass. I didn't want to tear everything up, so I gave it some gas and got a little there. And, and I'm going along, and all of a sudden, just, just that, like that, that bush stopped my car. Now, I didn't know I was so foolish I could have dropped that rear axle by didn't doing that. I didn't know that. But I could have done that. Praise the Lord, it didn't happen. Nor did that bush move. It just laughed at me. Because those roots went down so far and it was so, so uh, stabilized, that's what trees are, which is what God chose to use as a symbol of what Israel is going to be in the millennium. Stable, secure. In verse number three, to appoint them unto them that mourn in Zion. Uh, I read that, didn't I? If I give you letter C? Okay, then let's go to letter D. Uh, verse four. And they shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. Letter D. The ruins of the past will be rebuilt by the Messiah. There will be a complete transformation in the millennium. The destruction from the wrath of the tribulation. Boy, when you read the events in, uh, in Revelation, what's going to happen to this planet during the tribulation. It's surprising there's going to be anything left. Well, now think about at the end of it, after the uh, battle of Armageddon, it'll be even worse then. But one of Jesus' ministries is going to be to rebuild all of that. For even those cities left in ruins from ancient times will be re rebuilt in that day. Why? To bring glory to the Lamb of God. Isaiah 58, 12. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Verse 5. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. As I read that verse, do you kind of a, get a mental image on 
<laughs> What's being said about the Gentiles in the millennium? What they're going to be doing? <laughs> Letter E. Gentiles will become Israel's servants. They're going to serve them. As during the millennium, Gentiles will be tasked with rebuilding Jerusalem. So they will also take care of Israel's flocks of animals and tend their gardens. Apparently, the Gentiles will become Israel's servants, doing those manual chores and excelling in them. We learned, I think it was last week, that Gentiles were going to be the builders of the wall. They're going to do the manual labor. Here we see they're even going to shepherd the flocks. They're going to take care of all those menial things that the Jews used to do for them. See how God's turning the tables? Now the Jews are going to rule over the Gentiles. Isaiah 14, verse 1, For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob, and will yet choose Israel, and set them in their own land, and the strangers shall be joined with them, and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob, and the people shall take them and bring them to their place, and the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaids, and they shall take them captives, whose captives they were, and they shall rule over their oppressors. You getting a picture here of God's mercy? There's coming a day, mind-blowing, there's coming a day where God is going to elevate above all others the very people of God that put His Son on the cross. The very peoples who condemned Jesus to that horribly harsh, shameful death. They're the ones that God is going to elevate. Why? Because God is a merciful God, and God chose them. Amazing. Verse 6. By the way, that should give you some hope to know that God is a merciful God. God is a merciful God. You say, oh, Pastor Oller, if you only knew what I've done. I, I don't know. I don't need to know. God does. And he loves you. <laughs> and he loves you. Cindy? Oh, yes. At the very beginning they will be. Yes, it won't be long before there will be a lot of them that are not. Yes. Yes. They'll still be servants. Not over us. We are going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. Ruling and reigning with Christ. Nope, these will be the Gentiles who are saved. So they came through and they got saved. Um, so they go into the Battle of Armageddon saved. All the unsaved are killed. Coming out of the Armageddon, stepping into the millennium, are all these uh, Gentiles now that are converted. They're converted Gentiles. But they come from the line of people who abused the Jews. They are now going to be tasked with serving the Jews. Not cruelly. It won't be cruel. They, they, in fact, I believe, will find great satisfaction and joy in doing that. They'll be serving, but they will be serving the Jews. So, interesting. I don't know what we're going to be doing, but we will be ruling and reigning because we'll be the bride. We're not considered part of the Gentiles. Yeah. On. 
Verse 6. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. Letter F. Israel will be known as the Lord's priests. During the kingdom years, Israel will be considered the Lord's priests, servants of the Most High. They will bear the reputation of truly being God's people in its fullest meaning in that day. Israel will be blessed by the gifts brought to them from the Gentiles, and they will enjoy the praise of other nations. Exodus 19.6 And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Isaiah 66.21.22 And I will also take of them for priests and for Levites, saith the Lord. For as the new heavens and new earth which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. Verse 7. For your shame ye shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. Letter G. Israel will be doubly blessed in the millennium. Doubly blessed. Instead of the grievous shame and confusion Israel experienced in their past because of their unrighteous ways, like during the Babylonian captivity, the Roman invasion, and the tribulation, they would be doubly blessed in the millennium. So again, we see this complete exchange. Whereas earlier on, they were the ones who were uh, receiving all this judgment. But in the millennium, they will be the ones receiving all the double blessings. The tables will have been turned. Isaiah 40 and verse 2, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Isaiah 35.10 And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Verse 8 For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering and I will direct their work in truth and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Letter H, the offerings will be purified in the millennium. <laughs> this is interesting. God, God loves justice and he hates injustice. He loves righteousness, he hates unrighteousness. Well, in, in this verse is an explanation of God's abhorrence of the abuses occurring with offerings that were brought to him. Apparently, see the phrase here which says, I hate robbery for a burnt offering. Let's not forget the spiritual condition of the people that received this letter initially. So as Isaiah received this prophecy, this book, these different various prophecies that he put down, he's living in a time where the people of God were despicable 
where the priests were known as drunkards, where they were idolaters. It was a wicked, wicked time. God says, I hate robbery for burnt offerings. So apparently, there was a practice of stealing animals to use as burnt offerings in the temple. The millennium will purge any and all abuses of the people's offerings. God will renew His covenant with His people in that day. In Jeremiah 32 and verse 40 says, And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from them to do them good, that I will put my fear in their hearts, that they shall not depart from me. Verse 9, And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. Letter I. The people of Israel will be recognizable as God's chosen and blessed. We're not told how, but there will be a distinction. It will be obvious to the world who are God's people. I don't think they're going to wear some kind of a badge. I don't think they've got a name tag. Something in their nature, in their countenance, how they carry themselves, something is going to make it recognizable that these are God's people. They will become the envy of all the other nations. They will look to them and they will wish they were in that position of God's blessed people. The people of Israel will be easily recognizable in that day. The favor bestowed upon them will be obvious to other peoples. As young Jews intermingle with others, they will stand out in how they behave and reflect the ownership of the Lord upon them. They will be truly blessed. Isaiah 66, 23, And it shall come to pass, that from one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Psalm 115, verse 14, The Lord shall increase you more and more you and your children. Verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Letter, I, letter J. Israel will enjoy the blessings of their salvation. They will enjoy the blessings. So easy for us to take those blessings for granted. We are saved from the horrors of hell, and so we kind of go about our lives not even worrying about it anymore. We don't fully enjoy the blessings of our salvation, but the Israel will enjoy them from the perspective of Israel in the millennium. So this is written to a time they were about to experience the, uh, the invasion of Assyria and then Babylon. Okay? But he says, I want you to look with me a long time into the future. And of course, this is a time, a long time even from now, at least seven years from now. And he said, I want you to put yourself there and look back. Looking back to your past, Israel will rejoice over the salvation in that day, they're enjoying. They're safe and protected in their relationship with their king, and they are covered with his robes of righteousness. With the analogy of a bride and bridegroom being adorned for their wedding, Israel will be beautifully covered 
in His righteousness in that day. This also pictures the wonderful salvation of all who come to the Lord by faith. We, too, will enjoy His robes of righteousness and special attention from our Savior. Revelation 19, 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Verse 11. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Letter K. Righteousness and praise will surround the world in that day. The nature and character of the Lord will pour over from His millennial post in Jerusalem to the nations around the world. Righteousness and praise to Him will become the very atmosphere in that day. Most of you in here are old enough to remember 9-11 very well. I know where I was. I know what I was doing. I remember seeing it on the TV coming in, and my, I was glued to it. I remember 9-11 very well. And one thing I remember about 9-11 is what it was like going out into society in the next day, two, three days after that. There was an atmosphere change. Everybody was thinking differently, talking differently. You could just you could feel it. There was just something incredibly different in society. Ah, an atmosphere change, like what's going to be in the millennium. There will be this, this permeation of praise to the Lord. No matter where you go, you go in this back village someplace, and you, you hear, oh, they're, they're singing. Listen to that. They're singing. Holy, holy, holy. They're singing. Everywhere you go, you're, sing, you're hearing these praise songs to the Lord. It will be incredible. The talk will be of the King of Kings. It'll be phenomenal, the, the atmosphere in that day. Number two, Israel's new perception to the world. Israel's new perception to the world. Verse number one, chapter 62, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. Letter A, the Lord will promote Israel to the world. This chapter continues, chapter 62, with a look toward Israel's blessings in the kingdom. Messiah seems to be the speaker, declaring that he will not rest until Israel's salvation and the righteousness of the Lord upon it are made known to all the nations. One of the Lord's initial missions, once He establishes King, will be to, prom to promote His people to the world. In Micah 4, verse 2, And many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob. And He will teach us of His ways, and we will walk in His paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Verse 2, and the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory. Thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. 
Letter B, Israel will receive a new name in that day, a new name, and thou shalt be called by a new name. Resulting from the Lord's promotion, the Gentiles of the world will become witness to the righteousness of Israel. Even the world's kings will behold the lavish glory bestowed upon it in that day. The Lord will call Israel by a new name, it says, in the kingdom. It may be one of the names of God himself, highlighting his righteousness. And I found a very interesting verse. In Jeremiah 33, 16, it says, In those days shall Judah be saved. Well, when is Judah going to be saved? Going into the millennium. And Jerusalem shall dwell safely. Well, it's not dwelling safely today. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called. Ah, here's the name. The Lord our righteousness, or Jehovah Sidkenu. I don't know, is it actually going to be called that? I don't know, but it's possible that instead of being called Jerusalem in that day, it's possible it'll be called the Lord our righteousness, or Jehovah Sidkenu in that day. Verse 3. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Letter C. God will crown his people with glory. The people of God will radiate the glory of the Lord in a way similar to a crown upon a monarch. Similarly, there will be a, be a royal diadem. Both of these are pictured. Did you catch this? This, this really messes with the commentators. Both the crown and the diadem are said to be, by the way, where does a crown go? You put a crown where? Right, right. But that's not what this says. Both the crown and the diadem are where? That's what does it say here? In the hand, not the head. Uh, the Lord has the crown and the diadem not on the head, but on the hand. Now, I'm too simplistic. For me, it makes total sense. Why would they be in his hand? In the Lord's hand. That's what it says, the Lord's hand. Why? Because he's placing it on their head. That's all. He's taking the crown. He's placing it on. Of course, it's in his hand. He's placing it on their head. He's taking the diadem on their head. It's still in his hand. So for me, I'm overly simple. It made total sense. So when you find out the real answer, let me know. But that's what made sense to me. Verse 3. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Did I read that already? Letter D. Verse 4. Thou shalt no more be termed... Now, in your Bible, I'm assuming the same as mine, that next word is capitalized. Same as yours? Okay. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. That's a proper noun. That's the name. Thou shalt not be called this. This won't be your name any longer. Forsaken. Neither shall thy land any more be termed, another capital letter, desolate. But thou shalt be called instead Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. Now, I don't know how much this is symbolic, but it sounds to me like there were at least times in history where the land that's been decimated by Assyrians, by the Babylonians, by the Romans at various times in history is, is a totally destroyed land. 
and perhaps it took this name of destroyed or desolate, forsaken. Israel's past had left her forsaken. Their people had become despised by the nations of the world. The atrocities of the Holocaust, for instance, were symptomatic of the world's disdain for them as a people. In the kingdom, in the millennium, instead of being called desolate, they'll be called Hepzibah, which means my delight is in her. They will also be called Beulah, meaning married, in contrast to their previous condition of abandonment. Israel will enjoy the blessings of their marriage to God. Now, this is not the same as the marriage of the lamb to the bride. This is the marriage of Israel to God. Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Did you know that our God sings? You know what makes him sing? His joy over you. Verse 5. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over a bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. Letter E. God will rejoice over his people in that day. The thought of this verse is the joy of a young couple getting married and enjoying their honeymoon. God will delight over his people similarly in that day. Isaiah 65, 19, And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Verse 6 and 7, I have set watchmen upon my walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence, and give him no rest till he establish, and till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Letter F. God will be Israel's watchman. In the millennium, God will be Israel's watchman. He will watch over as an attentive sentry. If an enemy were to approach, he would loudly warn of their presence day or night. Accordingly, Israel should not keep silent, but loudly give God praise for all to hear. Now, he's not saying that enemies are going to attack Jerusalem in the millennium. That's not what he's saying. He's simply saying it's not going to happen. But if there were an enemy that were to come our way, I got this. Because I'm guarding for you. I'm the one watching out. So it'll be a, pl a place of complete security and safety. That's his emphasis here. In Jeremiah 33, 9, And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Verse 8 and 9, The Lord hath sworn by his right hand, and by the, oh, by the way, did you notice that? He's swearing by his right hand. Where do you suppose the courts got that? <laughs> Found that interesting. And by the arm of his strength, surely I will no more give thy corn to be meat for thine enemies. And the sons of the stranger shall not drink thy wine, for the which thou hast labored. But they that have gathered it shall eat it, and praise the Lord. And they that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness. Letter G, 
Israel will no longer be at the mercy of enemy nations. In the coming kingdom, never again will enemies steal the crops from God's people. Others will not enjoy the bounty meant for Israel in that day. Remember Gideon? Here Gideon is hiding from the Midianite army because they keep stealing all their food. That will not happen in the millennium. Others will not enjoy the bounty meant for Israel for too long. Israel's wickedness had left them vulnerable to attack and raids, leaving them destitute of food. God will be their protector in that day. Micah 6.15, Thou shalt sow, but thou shalt not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with oil. And sweet wine, but shall not drink wine. That was Israel's past. Number three, God calls his people home. Verse 10, go through, go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people. <laughs> cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. Let me ask you, like I asked the afternoon class, when I say, prepare ye the way of the, right, that's what we expect. That's not what it says. Prepare ye the way of the people, it says. Now that's interesting. Letter A, a major highway will be built to facilitate those returning to Jerusalem. In preparation for the kingdom of Christ, a major highway must be built to enable the masses of Jews returning from around the world to be unimpeded in their journey. Prepare the way for the people to come back home, is what he's saying. Prepare the way. The standard in this verse to be lift up, <laughs> I don't know, it might represent highway signs directing the travelers to Jerusalem, to their king. Isaiah 40, verses 3 and 4, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. Verse 11. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world, Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Letter B, the Lord will call to his people around the world. The voice of the Lord will circle the globe, calling out to Jews who are at every corner of the world. To them he will declare their salvation has come, and the Lord is bringing his reward with him. This will be their calling to return to their homeland. Isaiah 40, verse 10 and 11, Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand. His arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. In other words, God is going to facilitate the way for the Jews to come back home. He's going to make it easy for them. He's going to, he's going to, uh, to guide them and to make sure they don't get in accidents. He's going to speed the way. He's going to have all the lights turn green from them. He's going to... For, make it so it's easy for them to return back home. And then verse, 16, or verse 12, verse 12, And they shall call them 
the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and thou shalt be called, capital S, sought out, a city not forsaken. Letter C, Israel will bear a completely new name and status in that day. With a new calling and a new name, Israel will have a completely new reputation in the world. Instead of being called desolate, they will be known as the holy people of God, the redeemed of the Lord. They'll be called sought out, a city not forsaken. They will be revered in the world, cherished by most, and envied throughout. Isaiah 60, verse 21. Thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. That's chapters 61 and 62. Good chapters. Let's pray. I thank you, dear Lord, for your love, and I thank you for giving us this amazing look to the future. I can't even begin to imagine what it must have been like when those people that received this letter in Isaiah's day heard these prophecies. And Lord, here we are with the world getting so close. It has to be getting so close to your return. I pray, Lord, that you will open the eyes of people and they will see the truth before it's too late. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Continue to work and bless, I pray. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.